Okay, so I've, I've kind of asked on what I should speak on, because um, Keith asked me to do this some time ago. Um, and, you know, I kind of read the Gospel accounts because I thought it was Christmas Eve. In fact, I'll, I'll, um, just to sort of, for those of you that know Keith will find this funny, when he actually asked me to do it, he said, you can do it on what you like, Emma, but something on Christmas would be good. <laughs> it's like it's Christmas Eve. Yes, I, I think I, yeah, I, I'd got that far. Um, so yeah, um, but I read the gospel accounts of the nativity and thought, yeah, ov- obviously that's where to go. And then it just didn't feel like the right thing. And then I, I went to some of the prophecies of, of Jesus' birth and the, the famous one in Isaiah nine, which has actually come up a lot in our services recently, which is interesting. Um, so I'm going to read it in two translations just to get, get a feel for what this is. So this is, this is a, a, a prophecy, and I'll, I'll talk a bit in a minute about who Isaiah was, but let's just read in Isaiah chapter 9, um, verses 6 to 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there shall, there shall be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of hosts will do this. So that's the ESV. And then I read it in several different translations. And one that stuck out to me as being pretty good is the message translation, which I'll read now, and that is, for a child has been born for us, a gift of a son for us, he'll take over the running of the world, his names will be amazing counsellor, strong God, eternal father, prince of wholeness, his ruling authority will grow, and there'll be no limits to the wholeness he brings, he'll rule from historic David throne, and he'll put that over that promised kingdom and he'll put that kingdom on a firm footing and keep it going with fair dealing and right living beginning now and lasting always the zeal of God of angel armies will do all of this wow (laughs) I really really like that because it has that real joy of what is to come but I thought I'd just give us a bit I always like I'm kind of you know I'm a for those of you that don't know me I trained as a doctor and then I left medicine and retrained as a teacher because I'm a teacher I always need to know where I am and what I'm doing and where I'm going so I need to know a bit about who who Isaiah was so I thought I'll I'll give you a bit of context as to who Isaiah was so Isaiah um, we don't really know that much about him from the bible Um, apparently his father was somebody called Amos and that's all the bible really tells us about him but there is a Jewish tradition that Amos was the brother of Amaziah who was the king of Judah. So after sort of Israel kind of split into the country of Israel, split into two kingdoms, there's a north kingdom which is called Israel and a south kingdom which was called Judah. Um, and in the north kingdom in Israel, they kind of did their own thing and they started to intermarry with different tribes and they weren't going the way God wanted them to go. And in the south kingdom in Judah, they were kind of more going with what... Um, trying to go a bit more with what God was saying, what God was doing. But basically things at that time, which is about 700 years before Jesus' birth, things were a bit of a mess. Um, So God spoke to his people through Isaiah. So Isaiah is a prophet, so what that means is that he spoke God's words for him. So God gave him stuff to say, and he said it to the people. Um, and you can read a bit more in, in Isaiah chapter 6 about how that happened. That's quite a, a fam- famous passage. But 
the key thing I wanted to draw out is that this happened, that those words were written um, and given to Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was actually born. Um, and I actually, in preparing for this, I sort of um, listened to several different sermons, read several different things, and one of the things was, um, I read or listened to was Alistair Begg, and Alistair Begg um, talked a bit about what it must have been like to be Isaiah at the time, and him having a chat with his wife, which I thought was quite good, kind of saying, you know, sort of coming home and talking to wife and saying, oh, what has God said to you today? And sort of saying, oh, well, he, well, he said this, and then, and then reading those verses, and um, his wife going, well, what does that mean? That's a bit strange. Um, and he's going, well, I don't know really quite what it means. Because at that time, he mustn't have known what it means. It's really easy for us when we read prophecies to go, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem, and this, this was how it was going to be. But at the time, they were kind of standing on tiptoes, looking out at, at this, and they got all this information. They didn't really understand what it meant, but they were faithful to say what God had for them to say. So, okay, so dive in a little bit more in, into those verses, because it's just two verses, verse 6 and verse 7. I wanted to pull out some things, and interestingly, it picks up what I brought um, when I spoke at the Hub a few weeks back, and I spoke about, Je- about the doctrine of Jesus. One of the key things is that, I might have remember I spoke about the hypostatic union, so this idea that um, Jesus was fully, di- fully divine and fully human. So verse 6 brings us that. So the Messiah, because Isaiah knew that he was talking about the Messiah, who is the, the person that the Jewish people were and still are expecting to come and, um, and sort of save them and, and be their king. So he talked about the, the Messiah being both human and divine. So picking that up again in the New Testament... Um, we, can, we can look at John 1.14 so the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as, as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth so that pulls out that he became flesh and dwelt among us so he was human he lived, lived with us and then sort of the other side of the coin um, which is from Colossians 2 verse 9 for in him the whole fullness of de- deity dwells bodily. So that idea of Jesus being fully divine and fully human is definitely brought through, absolutely central <coughs> to the New Testament. Um, and then in verse 7, Isaiah is, est- is establishing that the Messiah will establish his rule in justice. And sort of we know that that's Jesus because um, as we, we've been looking at Romans you know, lately, at freedom, and um, uh, Paul picks that up in in chapter three when he said it, it, it was to show so so you know sending Jesus was to show his righteousness at the present time so he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not not only in this age but also in the one to come that's from Ephesians 6 and he also established his rule in peace and Jesus actually picks this up himself in the gospel of John I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace and in the world you will have tribulation but take heart I have overcome the world um, and that's John 16 verse 33 
Interestingly, when I was reading, um, and again, to give proper credit, this has come from the writing of Alistair Begg, but he um, picks up a parallel with Galatians 4 that I thought was quite interesting. So again, and anybody who's heard me up here before knows that I read huge chunks of scripture, so I'm, I read quite a bit. So this is, a, this is it's not too long, it's one, verses 1 to 7. So this is Galatians 4. And, and in this, Paul is, is speaking about what it means to be an heir of, of Christ. So I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. And when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So Paul is picking up this, this theme of, of Jesus being the sign coming into the world and what that means for us. So we as humans are under the law, and that means that we have to answer to God's way of doing things. His truth, the truth. We cannot do this because of our sin, which is our inbuilt nature that wants to rebel against God. We in ourselves can't do anything about that, i.e. we are slaves. But God gave his son to die for us, to pay the price for our sin and to redeem us so that we can be free and receive the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit have a relationship with God that will last for eternity. Our part is to respond to his call by accepting this as true by faith. And the nature of this relationship is one of adoption. We become part of his family, we are his children, and we get to call him daddy, which is what advert means. It used to confuse me. I used to think, why does God want us to call him after a Swedish pop group? (laughs) It's quite strange. But it actually means advert. It's Aramaic for daddy. So, um, yeah. So, this passage, getting back to the Isaiah passage, um, I kind of feel it gives us a road map, a plan for how we are now to relate to God, given the access that Jesus has won for us on the cross. And now that we have the Holy Spirit living in us, which picks up what Sue brought, so I was really pleased, it's, interesting. it's really good how God starts to actually start to preach for you before you actually come up here, so thank you for bringing that um, so, yeah, so how we should relate to him, now we've got the Holy Spirit living in us. So this is found in the names that Isaiah announces this baby has, and what he has come to do. And as baby announcements go, because I've, I've read quite a few, it is a bit, you know, mostly, you know, you might think, it would say, drool, suck thumb, drink milk, have nappy changed. It would be more what you would expect. So that they are a bit strange if we're just talking about a baby, but of course we're not just talking about a baby. But um, again, they give us a bit of a, a, a picture of how we can relate to God. So the first name, Wonderful Counselor. So we should take our problems and our anxieties and our fears to God. His counsel is wonderful and better than any human advice. And it's very different from the advice that the world gives. But how can we do this? 
And I found this really difficult when I, when I first became Christian, when I first started to hang out in churches and get interested in what was this thing called Christianity and how did it work, is that all these people would walk around and go, oh, God said this to me and God said that to me. And I, I'm thinking, they're all nuts. They think God's talking to them. This is really, really strange. And I do think that when you're first a Christian, even though you've become a Christian, you've accepted Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is living in you, 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 sometimes you don't, I mean, certainly when I became a Christian in 2005, I didn't feel any different afterwards than before, immediately. There was no, for some people I know it makes a massive difference immediately, but it didn't with me. It, and I thought, if has anything happened? What, what's going on? So I thought it'd be, it'd be good to kind of think about, when we say, because we kind of get into a way of talking about, well, God said this to me, I feel God saying that to me, and I thought if I could just open up what I mean when I say that, so how do we know that, that, you know, that, that God is there when we can't see him and he's not present in the sense that we as humans are bodily present here and we can actually see him? He is present here, but how, how do we know that? And two things I wanted to really pull out, which is um, read the Bible. So the Bible is, you know, the Bible is God's word to us. So most often, if God is going to speak to you, he will speak to you through this. That is really, really important. It is his primary means of speaking to us. We do get a direct word from God. I've had direct words from God in, in sense of a feeling of something that he's saying to me, but most often it's picking up a scripture that I already know. A verse that's been really important to me lately because, um, you know, things have been a bit difficult lately in terms of anxiety and that kind of thing is a, a verse from 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, which is for... I've got to get it right now in, the, in front of all you, all you guys. But basically, for we have not been given a spirit of fear, but one of love and of power and of a sound mind or of self-control. And that, yeah, so when things have been going really, really bad, I'm thinking, oh, I can't cope. That is what I've been bringing to mind. But I can only bring that to mind if I know it already. So it's important, I mean, very occasionally, I've had the old word from Ezekiel, which before I'd read it, which was a bit weird, that actually God dropped in, and then I, I found out through a bit of Googling that it was scripture. But most of the time, it's stuff I've already read and that I know. So knowing the Bible is really, really important. And you might be standing there thinking, well, it's easy for you to say that, Emma, because you're a teacher and, you know, you've been to university and you read a lot and you, you do all of this stuff that it's dead easy for you. And yet, it, I suppose reading stuff comes naturally. For those of us maybe for whom reading and spending time studying doesn't come naturally, you can listen to the Bible. I've got an audio Bible of David Suchet at the moment, which I'm really enjoying, which I can just stick on. Um, he's got a really nice sounding voice. And he also, because he's, he's an actor, he varies his voice according to what character of the Bible he's being. And it makes it really easy to work out the narrative of, of what's going on. So I listen to it sometimes when... when um, when I'm having a hard time maybe reading. And even if you just read a few verses every day, it does go in. Because remember, we've got the Holy Spirit in us. So when we, when we read the Bible, we, we've got the Holy Spirit lighting it up for us. Okay, and that's really, really important. So um, we also need it to be our standard and our plumb line. Um, in that if we think that God is saying something, 
we then need to bring it to the word and say, well, does that line up? Does that, does that make sense, given what God, God has said? And if you're not sure, then go and ask somebody who's a, who's a Christian, who you trust, and say, I think God is saying this to me. What do you think? It's always a good thing to do. And then the second thing I wanted to pick up was praying. And again, when I first became a Christian, I was a bit intimidated by praying. I kind of thought, I don't really understand. I'm standing prayer meetings and thinking, I don't really get this. I can't pray like everybody else. I don't think God hears me. I don't know what to do. But praying is just talking to God. So just talk to him in your own voice. I do that in the house. I just chat to him and, and then I listen and, and see what, what forms in my mind and what, what ideas I think he might be saying back to me. He can talk to people in an audible voice. I've met people who, who say that God has, has actually spoken to them. But it's more likely, again, to be a verse that will pop into your mind or you'll be reading the Bible and, and a, a, a piece of scripture will light up in a way that it hasn't before. And that tends to be my experience of how God speaks to me. Or a friend or an acquaintance who might be a Christian or might not be a Christian will say something and you know that it's God speaking to you. Um, and often, I mean, my, I've had a word of God from my mum, from various other, other people and people I know who are not Christians. But, um, and I think, yeah, that's God speaking to me. And again, ask if you think God has said something to you, then ask a Christian friend if you're not sure. So that's wonderful counsellor. So he is the person to go to for, for advice. And then the second point I wanted to pick up was the second name, which is Mighty God. Um, God is our source of strength and power. And it, it, that has been given to us through the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but particularly lately, I haven't really felt full of power or full of strength. I've been feeling quite overwhelmed and quite down. And Christmas particularly can be a time of a lot of busyness and a lot of, a lot of we've got to get this done, we've got to get that done. And, and very often if I'm feeling like that, I, I, I know that it's because I've sort of taken my eyes off Jesus. Um, a phrase that Keith used when he was, he was preaching from Romans a few weeks back was, was when he was talking about the fact that we have the Holy Spirit in us. He said, you have the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have you? Which I thought was really, really key, really, really spoke to me. So have I submitted my will to God? If I'm feeling overwhelmed and worried and things are difficult, am I actually submitting what, what I've got? I have a tendency because at work I tend to be in charge of things and I, I do stuff and that. And I have a tendency to want to be in control. And Sharon is laughing at me because she, she knows of this as well. Um, and I go, right, I'm going to do this and do that and do that. And in a sense, I, I sometimes relegate God to the gaps. So if I'm finding it difficult, I will kind of get him out of his box and go, I can't do this bit, Lord. So will you do this bit and then I'll take over again. And that's not Christianity. Okay? You can't, that's not how it's meant to work. We're not meant to sort of use him as polyfiller to fill the cracks. That's not how it goes. He is the foundation. So I now, and I'm trying to train myself when I'm about, I'm about to go off on one and into organisation mode to go, Right, Lord, right, before I go into this meeting, before I go into this thing that I'm going to do, what do you want me to do? What are you saying? How can I do it? And every time I remember to do that, and I'm, I don't remember every time, I'm getting better, 
But when I do do that, it goes so much better because I'm actually tapping into his power and his control. And it's just brilliant. It's amazing. So it works. So do it. Okay. Third name is Everlasting Father. So in a phrase, that means God wants to be our dad forever, which is pretty amazing. But what does that mean? And I know that, you know, my dad's pretty awesome. I've got a really good dad who's a really, really good picture of what, what God is like. But I know some of us maybe haven't, haven't got a dad, our dad isn't here anymore, or our dad was a bit rubbish. So sometimes the picture of, of God as father is problematic for people because their relation to their earthly father is difficult. But so some of the things that God wants to say to us through that idea that he is, or that idea, that fact that he is our father is he provides for us. So many times I've, I've known his, his provision and, you know, everything. He comforts us and he cares for us and he guides us. And something that I'm starting to, to learn now as I'm, as I'm growing up in my Christian faith is sometimes he also tells you off. And that's a, new, that's a fairly new experience for me um, and, and quite difficult is that, you know, I, I remember years ago when I, when I was in Rob and Sharon's house group and we were, we were talking about something and Rob was talking about something where God had been dealing with him quite strongly and had been giving him quite strong words about what it, whatever it was. I can't even remember what it was about, Rob, so what, what, whatever. But I remember being quite offended by that and then saying... But God wouldn't say that. If I heard that, I would assume it wasn't God, because God just says things like, I love you, Emma. You're great. <laughs> You're lovely. Carry on. And I now realise, and, and when I said that, Rob just smiled and didn't say anything. Because <laughs> he knew I wasn't ready. And actually, God was dealing with me as a baby Christian. So I needed to know that he loved me. And now I really do know that you love me. Now I get that thing you did yesterday, not so much. That issue that's ongoing, we need to sort that out. And I'm definitely getting more of that. And at first I was like, no, it doesn't like me anymore. But actually, that's me growing up. And he actually wants to turn me into into the image of his son. And if he's going to do that, some bits need to be kicked out. And he will do that. So if you feel that God is having a go at you, good. (laughs) It means you're growing up. It means you're growing up. So it's good. Okay, and then the last name, Prince of Peace. So God gives us rest from agitation and worry. He gives us a deep sense of well-being and he wants to give us right relationships. And again, if we're not feeling those things, ask, go to him in prayer, actually do that thing like what I said before, centering yourself down and and, and tapping into him and just saying, Lord, I need your peace in this situation. I feel agitated and churned up. That's not what you have for me. Like that verse from from, um, 2 Timothy, you've been given a sound mind. So, and the other amazing thing about this is, this baby that Isaiah is, is foretelling the birth of, all these names, as I said at the beginning, are a bit strange names to give to a baby. And that's because they belong only to God. Only God can give wonderful supernatural wisdom and counsel. 
Um, only God can, can have the supernatural mightiness and strength. Only God is everlasting. Only God can be called the Prince of Peace. And God loves us so, so much. He sent Jesus into the world to be with us. God with us. Emmanuel, that's what that means. He laughs with us. He cries with us. He heals us and blesses us. And he makes us into what he intends us to be. I have no idea why he did it, why he created the world, or why he created us. But, and I've no idea exactly how he did it. But I love him very much for caring enough to, about each person here to do that. And he really does love us. And if you don't, you've never experienced that and you don't know what that is, and you want, you want to know, then please come and talk to us. Come and talk to me or come and talk to, to one of the, the other people um, here about that, because it's amazing. And let, yeah, please, yeah, let us share that with you if, if you've not experienced it.